time this shit hard. Because 
comes a time when that person's on at 10 o'clock or 8.30 at night tonight, sees something that might alter their thought to not take their life. Right. Is, if anyone is having suicidal thoughts, <clears throat> is there a hotline number to call? Also, can they reach out to you? Reach out to me and I will guide them into some support as far as hotlines and, and we can talk about the hotlines and so forth. Yes, you need to speak to somebody, even if it's to speak to somebody, maybe not admitting yourself, but speaking about your troubles and what's going on because we all suffer our own troubles that might be more severe than Dan Pelly or Crystal, might be less than Dan Pelly and Crystal, but to that person, that's their suffering. No matter how minute we might think it is, or how major, or how you should never have a reason to do something like that. And this is where stigma starts getting in the way. Hmm. Dan, can you share your suicidal attempts that triggered you? Yes, uh, you know, it's a, I, I really, sometimes I try my best not to go too deep into it because you never want to trigger anybody that might be listening to this podcast that's on edge. But, uh, yes, you know, I never thought of suicide my whole life. Brought up Italian, all Italian, top Italian father, construction work. Working my, you know, butt off, a blue collar worker. I've been in real estate over 30 years now. That's my first passion, helping people find housing. But my real passion is to help people choose life now because of my experiences. But right up till I was 39 years old, never even thought about it. What did I heard about? Years ago, 
and I'm 39 years old, and now, you know, the divorce occurs, the business starts failing, I can't operate anymore, I can't even think, I can't function, I'm not talking like this, I'm not talking like Cap Crackle, here I am as a real estate agent, help me, that's all moving away from me, now I'm starting to feel weak, I'm starting to feel debilitated, I'm starting to feel, you know, insecure, I'm starting to fall into this depression, and I'm like, what is this? And as it kept gaining on me, I'm talking to my brother, and I'm, and I don't know if I can keep running this place again. I can't even concentrate. I'm just so hurt right now, and my life sucks, and everything's happening. So it's just down. So yeah, we usually pull ourselves out of breakups, and we do things, but I, the business feels, and then, well, I gotta close it because I can't run it. I'm running 15 people, and I close the business, and then I move to Florida to go with my brother, and he work a detail shop, and. I never recommend doing three major things when you're suffering. You know, first of all, you're getting broken up with. Second of all, you're selling your house. Third, you're, you know, you're selling your business and moving. You, you, you just shouldn't be doing that. And I've learned from experience because it really took its toll on me once I made the move. Not that I didn't have support, which a lot of people don't have, but not enough understanding about my suffering, although the work ethic kept me going with my brother. Like my father used to say, when I complained, go to work and get your head right. So I remembered that and went to my brother's shop. I worked in the shop. I was no longer wearing a three-piece suit. Now I'm detailing cars and I'm cleaning throw up in the back seat. And I'm detailing cars in the hot weather in Florida. So I'm moving along, pulling me out of bed to go to work. I want to cover myself and never come out of bed again. And I'm deeply getting depressed. Now I'm starting to get clinical. I start getting suicide ideation. And it's all starting to come on me hard, you know, very quickly. And I'm trying not to say anything. I don't want to upset the family. I'm being secretive. He knew I was hurt, but he kept me working, which was a blessing. And, you know, and I said to him one morning, I don't want to get out of bed. I just want to sit here and hurt about what all that happened to me. You know, like you're a crybaby, you just, you got so much pain going on in your hot head, 800 pound gorilla on your back every day, and you're suffering so bad. And I said, why, why do I have to get up? He says, you got a good brother, like my father. He says, you gotta keep moving, that's why. And so my keep moving is a very strict discipline with people that no matter if it's a short lift or not, gotta get up and wash your body, you gotta get up and eat, you gotta do your short lift. So he showed me what my father taught me, that this is why I'm here for you, supporting, always grateful to him. We've had our differences, but grateful, and, you know, that I had a person of such strength to be there for me. So not everybody's that lucky, although that wasn't the cure for me, all of it. And then it came upon me for six months, and I, I wasn't instantaneously, I'm gonna go do something. I kept ideation, I kept thinking about it all in 96, running vehicles up and down on Route 27 in Florida, and doing my thing, and, and thinking about it more and more and more and more. I wanna end the pain, I wanna end the pain, I wanna end the pain. And that's all I kept thinking about 24-7. It never stopped, it was vicious. It was a, it was a wretched animal in my heart and mind. And I couldn't kick it. I couldn't courage it off. I couldn't. I couldn't find my strength to move it out of my life. Mm. And, you know, I fought and I fought and I fought and I fought. And it didn't matter. It had me. It 
had me by the back of the neck and it wasn't letting me go. And like the chief therapist, they put me on medication, tell my brother, you gotta watch out for him, he's suicidal. And I'm thinking, you know, this is the control you can have in your life. You have the control to live it, or you have the control to take it. And I realize that more and more now, that we have the control. We can't blame it on somebody else. Right. And as, and as I'm sickly and I'm into that depth of clinical depression, and I get to that point, and I get to that wretched moment, that wretched moment that nobody ever wants to go to. And some people do it instantaneously. We can't help those people. Sometimes we just can't help everybody, but we can help a lot by ending the stigma and looking out for people that are suffering in silence. So as that built up, come November of 96, I finally made the decision. And it was the worst decision of my life. And I tried to take it, whether to me it was pills, Tylenol, whatever it was, to me, was I just wanted to end the pain. And I wrote my notes to my family and my kid and, and all of it. How sorry it was that I wanted to end this pain that had nothing to do with them. And yeah, we want to be selfish and we want to say, hey, live for them. You got to live for yourself first. Absolutely. You're never going to be able to live for anybody if you don't live for yourself. You can be a walking zombie supporting your family, but that doesn't mean you're living life. And, and, and I try to connect with that person one-on-one and that suffering of silence and where I was at that moment. And it's wretched and it's, it's horrible. And, and when I asked the brother-in-law specifically, why didn't he do it? And he says he wants to. And he says, I'm too afraid there. And I said, well, stay that way. Because mm. I have the stupidity and the cojones to make the move. And sometimes it's not even about having courage like that into like they, I'm gonna you know this decision it's not an easy decision first of all people always say oh it's the easy way out bullshit bullshit there is nothing easy about when I was sitting in that hotel room with vodka and pills and wretched over my life and sitting there looking at the corner of that hotel room go this is it this is where it's gonna end in after all you've been through and the wretchedness you go through as you sit there for hours, and you contemplate, and you contemplate, and you sip in your mind, and your brain is unhealthy. Do you think about your family? Do you think about, do you think about everything, like, in the past, like, do you have that second look back, like, about your family, of the people you were hurt, and... Well, yes, as I'm writing the notes, I'm suffering. I'm writing, and I'm I'm writing with suffering, with my head. And I'm, I'm, I'm writing with this suffering feeling. I'm thinking I'm going to leave them behind hurt. But it really wasn't, a, it wasn't that it was a selfish thought not to let that come into my mind. It just wasn't there enough. Because the pain and the suffering was so intense. It didn't give me opportunity to be grateful. See, that's the, that's the nastiness of depression. They, the nastiness of depression I've learned over two times with me now, I'm a two times survivor. Luckily, and I'm blessed to be here. But when you get into that moment, and, and it happened again for me 14 years later, and after I survived that first event, I won't forget all the details, but when I survived it in ICU, nurses and doctors looking at me like, we're trying to save life here, you're trying to take it, but it's a 
no miracle to them that I walked out of that hospital from the injection of Tylenol I took. And never again, I said, never again, I'm going to do this. 14 years later, I take on three stepkids. My stepdaughter gets in a horrific accident in 2007. As a passenger on the side, take a traumatic brain injury, rocks the family to its core. I get her back on her feet. I'm the, I'm the warrior. I was the mother, the captain, and doing our thing to get this kid back. And she survived, luckily. And we did our thing. And, and then after that, by 2010, I felt lost. Like I was doing a program. I went to college for the first time in 2000. When I got back on my feet and met my wife and the three kids. And I never did anything with it. I was going to go out and conquer the world. And I never did it. Like, I'm going to go save life's men. Didn't happen that way for me. Took on family, did my thing. Once she got hurt, I became suicidal again at 10. Made another attempt, unfortunately. And got sick again. And got clinical again. But this time I knew. When she walked in one day in the life. And I said to her, oh, half crying. Went up, up, out of my desk in my office. And this is what I said to her. All I said was, I need help. I need help. I'm afraid that I'm going to hurt myself again. Because I suffer so much about this kid. I suffer about her. And what happens to the kid, unluckily, in the, in the hand, in the hand she was dealt, like we're all dealt this hand, right? And she dealt a tough hand, and we all have to try to fight through it. And we do, and the people that lose kids, and the Christopher Reeves that died, yes. and then has a little child life, and just, he wanted to kill himself, and he said, why did you do me with that? Why didn't you? He said, because I got something, a mission, a mission in my life. This happened to me for a reason. This hand was dealt to me for a reason, so he helped stem cell research. See, we all have a mission, everybody that's listening. I know. We all have a purpose. And you know, isn't that so ironic? You know, we look at, we are all human. Yeah. And we all expect, even our, like your daughter, your stepdaughter, we, we ex she expects you to be strong and there for her. She expects you to be her protector. When we look at shows like Superman, we expect Superman to be Superman. He's the yeah. most strongest man. And when he fell off that horse playing polo, I think it was. Yeah, it was polo. Yeah, polo. Polo. And um, the horse got the horse got spooked or something. I know horses a little bit, but something happened when he stopped shot. Yeah. That got this. That got the attention and threw him off the horse. Yeah. And so very unfortunate thing. Yeah. And it shocked the world. It's like huh, unbelievable. Superman. You know what I'm saying? So it's like. Sometimes, you know, even the strongest people need oh, yeah. need that that affection, that attention. They yep. go through that, you know, that depression, which leads to my um, next question. As a family member and as a concerned friend, what are some signs we should look for when the ones we love are going through deep depression? You know, when we look closer, and a lot of people try not to look sometimes, even your own family members, at the kind of hurt you're going through. You might say, I need medication. And they say, oh, no, put yourself up as a prescribed. You don't need medication. And 
they kind of just blow it off sometimes that it's just the old cliche, but I just read a post today about a girl, she's on Instagram, I think she had a suicide attempt the way it sounded, but she said for a whole year I suffered and nobody noticed. And I looked at that today and I thought about what we're going to speak tonight, I was like, this is the problem. We're not taking a good look, or when you asked me when we talked, you know, before this interview that, uh, oh, are you okay, Dan, everything's okay? That question you asked me mm-hmm. is really important to ask a family member. Yeah. Because the two feel the behavior might shift a little, mm-hmm. and they're not being, she's not, he's not being, you know, they're not being themselves. Yeah. The isolation's going on, but you know, you walk up, you know, you don't want to go up to someone and say, hey, you thinking about killing yourself? You know, I've done that with some people that I've had dialogue with. You know, I've asked the question point blank and got a response and got some conversation going. But normally they don't want to say that to the society of, oh, hey, look, at suicide's not your favorite subject. Right, no, right. You know, it's not your favorite entertainment on TikTok. You know what I mean? Right. you, you, you know, you've got some insignificant stuff on there that really don't bring any value to anybody getting two million hits. And it's just where our society is, you know? And I don't fault it. Look, at I'm all for fun of games, right? Look at it. My Buddhist practice, we talk about my mentors from the years past, talk about the my mentor before this mentor. Buddhism is about, when we talk about human beings, we're, we're here on this earth to enjoy ourselves and eat. And of course the devilish functions get in the way and there's disruption and there's suffering. But you know, we're here to enjoy ourselves. I want to push living and choosing life, which changed my whole life practicing, and getting into this realm of we have to take action for ourselves. Like that determination saying I sent you. Mm-hmm. You know, that changed everything for me. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't make a determination, we can pray to live through the faith that I pray to, and I chant, and I have a ceremony, and I do it all. And I just like a godly person, I'm chill. Whatever you're doing, the pray, whatever you're doing, listen, if you don't take any action, nobody's going to do it for you. And this is the problem with looking at our family or our friends. Are you okay today? Like you asked me. Are you okay, man? You don't seem like yourself. What's going on with you now? We can't get so busy that that girl I saw on Instagram brought a board for a whole year and then try. I think she tried to take her life and she survived. But that right there shows you there's an underlying ugly, hidden stigma that sometimes the people are doing it purposely and being mean and cruel. Uh, sometimes I think it's, you know, it's just, you know, it's more like innocently just ignorant to it. You just don't understand. Like I had a brother that didn't understand about medication and all that, that it been needed. All of it. So when you get this double sort of meanness and unkindness that you're a chicken, what about your family, why are you doing this? You, 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 you're weak, you're no longer Superman, especially for men, right? Yes. The stigma's out there that don't you ever be weak, don't you ever cry. You keep yourself pulled up by the bootstraps and you keep pushing. It doesn't work that way. But the toughest Italian father I had, 
and all of it. Yeah, they carry through some tough times and they have their time. But we're not all as tough as somebody else. Exactly. Someone else might be tougher. But my brother said, I don't think I'd ever go down that road, he said. I said, well, that's good. You got a toughness about you that just, there's something about, it's just, it's just like, and I don't even want to say it's tough and contradict because it, it becomes none of that matters in the end. Okay. It doesn't matter how rich you are, how middle class you are, how poor you are, how you're the biggest star on social media. It doesn't, or TV, it doesn't matter. So 
With that 45,000 a year, just in June of 20 alone, 30,000 more people ended their life. Mm. Wow, we were talking staggering numbers. Wow. And, and I sit here and I go, you know, I'm just one guy. I'm just doing my thing and I'm out there socially and I'm trying to help save lives and I hope I'm making a difference. You know, then when I see something like, and I get negativity, I get it all. And I see one guy that I guess he was watching me on Instagram for about eight months and he, and he messages me. And I'm like, oh, okay, who's this? And he starts talking about how he's been suicidal. And he goes, you know, I've been watching you and your post for about eight months, man. And I gotta tell you, you help, you know, you help me stay alive. And I'm just like, this is it. This is it right there. That's it right there, Dan. When someone that you don't even know comes out of the blue and says, you're eight months of posting and stuff. Now he's running his own suicide prevention and it's called F-Suicide. So he's determined as a 20, 30 year old guy, young. Right, absolutely. He started his own his own suicide prevention. He calls it F-Suicide. He's got shrimp and everything that says F with the lines and the CK at the end. Because that's how angry he is at what happened to him. Right. He hates it. He hates suicide. And speaking I of... Hate it. I hate suicide, too. Right. <laughs> and speaking of numbers, what would statistics show that men have higher suicidal deaths than women? Or is it the opposite? Men. Men outnumber by far, percentage-wise, when, when, when suicide aid, suicide ideation is occurring, probably 50% of women survive, uh, 50-50 more because they're in touch with their feelings more and they're more to express that they need help. Men, 70% are, are not making it. They're not making it because when they sit in silence, they feel it's I'm weak, I'm a weak man, and I'm, I'm a chicken, and I'm this, and I'm that. I mean, you've got some people like Junior Seha for the New England Patriots, uh, two beautiful daughters suffering, the most jovial guy you ever know. Strongest guy you could ever probably walk into. One of the strongest guys. That's nothing to do with strength, and he's the jovial. Sit there and, and ends it. Put the gun to his chest and ends it. So, when, you, when I look at him and I shed tears for a guy like him and I think of the suffering in the moment, he sat there. And I know this moment because I was lucky to survive. I wouldn't be able to speak about the moment, I call it, right. because it's so deep and wretched. But he sat there and like many others that we've walked in the 45,000 a year and the, the uptick both through the pandemic and all, you know, they say over a million and a half people kill themselves a year in the world. I mean, this is a global pandemic. This, you want to talk about a pandemic? And this goes on year after year. I mean, we're talking, what, millions, millions and millions of ending their, ending their life. I mean, it's such a battle going on with good and evil. It, it's like you don't realize it. You see the darker side, you look at it more, not just make believe it's not there. Right. Not that I want to doldrum into the darker side of life all the time. Believe me, I have to have my time of recreation with my pop. I'll do what I, you 
know, relaxing and, and, and taking time for yourself is very important. It can't be about everybody else 24 7. Right, absolutely. And you have to have a media, you know, a, a, a moderation. I told my kids as I brought them up everything in moderation. If something's hurting you, you better stop doing it. But otherwise, everything in moderation. I don't care what you're doing. Well, my last question, Dad, what is your yeah. sole purpose moving forward in life? Just, you know, I have my days of struggle. I have my days. I lost my mom five years, uh, April 7th, the other day. And five years, I struggled for a couple of days missing my best friend. And I couldn't function. You know, I wasn't depressed, but I couldn't pose. I just wasn't in that mood. But I just get back up on that horse, you know, and I, and I climb back up and I say, you gotta ride into this there. You gotta talk to Crystal tonight. You gotta make the stigma kills video. You gotta just keep going. So what's, what's motivating me is that next person that I might be able to alter their thought to not get to that moment to end their life. And that's my mission till the day I take my last breath. And that's how I've developed in the past, from time 96 10 to going public in 16 to now. Here I am. And I've made a determination that this is it for me. Besides real estate and everything I'm doing, this will be my end. And I want to leave a legacy for my son that actually posts stuff about suicide prevention now, my oldest biological. Uh-huh. And my kids, to leave them that inspiration that no matter what, don't make the mistake like I did, because they were too big mistakes, and choose life over death. That's where we got to end it, is choosing life. That's very well said. Dan, I want to thank you for your time today, and also thank you for educating us on suicide, suicide and also um, just making us aware of, um, you know, um, not what not to do. Um, suicidal and depression. Um, it is a um, strong. Um, I would say um, it, it, it's something real. Disease. Yeah, disease. It's, it's a strong disease that is out there. Um, oh, yeah. A lot of people are going through this. Um, what do they want to admit it? or not, it's there. Um, If you need help, please seek the help that is needed. Do not take your life. Your life is so valuable. You could could contribute so much more to this world and to others. You don't have to take your life. If you need help, please reach out to Dan. Dan, can, can you share your um, your um, social media um, pages or your contact information one more time? I can't. Um, they can locate me at Dan Pelly, D-E-L-L-Y. Uh, and you'll find me from Facebook, the Instagram, just Google Dan Pelly, my public page. Um, you'll see suicide hotlines on there, the one that are numbers to me. I would hesitate to call 911 if I ever got sick again, to call 911 in the heartbeat because my life matters and anybody out there listening, 
your life matters. You can find me on Snapchat and Pinterest and, and, and all the social sites are out there. And you know, anyone, Telegram, I'm on them all. And I want to reach out to everybody that's out there struggling because I've been there and it's a sucky place to be. And I want to leave you with my prayers and goodness, but I do for a lot of people and I do in my interviews. It is I want to leave you with good health, protection, wisdom, compassion, courage, determination, mission, happiness, good fortune, and total victory. Never give up. Your life matters. We all will continue to um, not only help them, but help ourselves to choose life. Exactly. Well, Crystal, it was nice speaking to you, and let's talk again, and let's keep uh, on this mission of helping people stay alive. Thank you. Thank you for your time today. Thank you, Crystal. You're welcome. Bye-bye.